We've heard about it. We've sung about it. We've seen it as truth imitating. Let's hear once again a couple of the verses that St. Paul wrote to one of the early churches. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Let's think about this together as you may be seated. The last number of weeks, we have looked at St. Paul's letter to an early church located in Philippi, Philippians. We went through all four chapters and learned more about embracing joy. And that we entrusted that book to your reading as well. Today, today we look at another letter, the first letter, probably one of the earliest letters St. Paul wrote into another congregation, this one to a city in Thessalonica and the Christians who lived there. Heads up. What I'm not going to preach about is Thessalonica. What I'm not going to preach about is what was happening in the city. What I'm not going to preach about is when St. Paul wrote this letter or where he was or just exactly what those people in that church were up to. Instead, I want to preach about imitation. And that's not another subject. I want to speak with you about imitation and have you think about it because that is a big part of what chapter 1 of Paul's letter is all about. Imitation. You know, monkey see, monkey do, as the little kids say. And as older ones, we talk about aping one another's behavior, good or bad, to mimic, to mirror, or to model. We see it in our little children who act like other little children or in older children who do the same, or even with us adults. There's a lot of mimicking, modeling, and mirroring going on in our world. We talk about imitating. It's an interesting subject because people generally have two reactions to the word and to the concept of imitating. On the one hand, there's a very negative sense, and then there's the positive as well. Negatively, imitating rings in our head is this isn't the real thing. Or this isn't a very good imitation of something or some person. I remember a number of years ago when I went on a mission trip to China. Before we went to the mainland, we spent a little bit of time in Hong Kong. Wonderful, interesting city. Well, I thought wonderful. In the evening, I wanted to get a little bit more aware of what was going on, so I walked through the streets, and they were busy. Down the small streets at the side and even the alleys, all kinds of vendors were there selling things. And I saw Nike products, and I saw even a Rolex here and there. And I go, wow, look at those prices. Man, I, I wish I could get something like that. But then, then I realized... I don't know why I didn't know before. They were knockoffs. They were imitations. They were not the real thing. 
and anybody who knew the products would know rather quickly, not so good. It really was a negative thing. But then again, you know, there is the positive side of imitating and imitators. When it comes to people, well, I guess it all depends on what is imitated and how well someone is imitating. There's good behavior. There are good people. There are good attitudes. And there are lots of good actions that we see, that we experience, and that we consciously imitate because they are good. And that's the point. Imitators and imitating can be good or bad. It depends upon the person who imitates. It depends upon the purpose. And it depends upon how well the imitation comes off. But the point is also that imitating is a reality. It's real. It is a dynamic that is within us all, whether we recognize it or whether we don't. We are all imitators. When you're little, I'm little, we imitated our parents. As a little one, we imitated those who were around us, wherever they got those things from. And it happened even the older we get. And I guess we think especially about those earlier years, but still not the earliest of years, when we see how people dress, we see how people act, what they do as teens and even older. And it goes beyond that, too, called peer pressure. We see things going on around us, and all of a sudden we see ourselves thinking the same, doing the same, giving the same kinds of actions and attitudes, even talking. And we get older still, and all of a sudden we find ourselves not only valuing family traditions, but repeating them, imitating them, whether it's in everyday life or our devotional life, or whether it's in our family values as they've come to us and as we've owned them or disowned them. But yet a third point is everybody imitates. But the key is who we are imitating. That's what's vital. That's what matters. Whether it's conscious or unconscious, who we value, who we imitate is important. You heard from Second Kings today. Pastor Sean read a few moments ago. The context was the chronicler who wrote the second book of Kings, how he described how God's Old Testament people behaved and how they imitated others. And what we heard was not a very good imitation. I mean, they imitated well, but they imitated the wrong person, people. They imitated the wrong behavior. They left their true God and they imitated false gods as they entered even into the promised land. They imitated the nations, their false religions, and their false practices, rather than whom they should have imitated. Whom we should imitate, in the New Testament, John wrote in his third letter, well, he put it this way, my dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Pretty obvious, pretty clear. St. Paul points us in a couple of directions that we might imitate well, that we might imitate the right 
thing, the right people. He points us in two directions. He points us to himself and believers around himself, like the Thessalonians, and understandably, rightfully as well, he points us to Jesus. Now, the fact that Paul points to them and us to himself as one whom we can and should imitate, uh, sounds kind of brash, doesn't it? Sounds like he was a little bit too puffed up with himself and the greatness of who he was and what he did. Pretty brash. And maybe that in itself would signal to some that that's the reason not to imitate him. But think about this. Paul, by God's power, did a 180 in his life. Not so good behavior, evil behavior, in persecuting and killing off those who followed Jesus to a face-to-face confrontation with him where Jesus turned him 180 degrees, captured his heart, took over his life. That's the part that St. Paul is referring to. He was all in. Remember as we took our last look at Philippians last week, Pastor Sean quoted from that letter where Paul wrote, I count it all as rubbish for the sake of Christ. He didn't give the literal interpretation of those words. You know what Paul said in his language, in his time? I consider it all dung. (laughs) Not done, dung, manure. That's how Paul considered everything else, even his own credentials, for the sake of Jesus Christ. His life had totally changed because of one person, Jesus. He took up a new life of faith and following He went all across the then-known world to share Jesus, to plant churches. And as a result, he was imprisoned. He paid a price for his faith and his actions. He was beaten, and ultimately he died for the sake of Jesus. He was one of the greatest leaders in the early church. In, In Hebrews, it's written, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And Paul stands as one of those leaders. But here's the clarifier, and here's the clincher that we need to understand. In another letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he wrote this very clearly. He said, follow my example as I follow Christ. That second half was always in his mind, and it's always in our minds and needs to be. Follow my example as I follow Christ. That's why Paul could tell those Christians in Thessalonica, follow my example. And that's why he pointed them out as examples to imitate as well. They were followers. Followers. That's one who gives an example to follow. Jesus said it once and again and again. He said to 12 men, follow me. And they did. They walked where Jesus walked. They went where he went. But they also followed what he said. They followed it in their life, in their attitude. His words became their guide for life. Verse 7, 
That's why Paul wrote, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia. As followers of Jesus, people could look to them as well. Their life, their actions, their attitudes as one to imitate too. And you know, when we imitate, we imitate those with whom we spend a lot of time. When we're with someone a lot of the time, it rubs off. It becomes part of our nature, whether, whether we're conscious of it or not. We take on those things, those habits, those ways. This is why it's important to surround ourselves with good company. Isn't that what we as parents tell our kids? Be careful who you hang around. We even go to lengths as parents and in parenting to make sure that happens. And that's why as we grow, and and even at those early ages, we surround ourselves in many respects and oftentimes with fellow Christians. We reach out to others as well, to be sure. But we hang around each other. We spend time together so that we can build each other up so that our faith rubs off on others and their faith rubs off on us as we grow in faith and hope and in love to live good lives, lives that are worth imitating, lives that reflect Jesus, whom we ultimately reflect. Again, we imitate and we can imitate each other as we follow Christ, insofar as in the same way as we follow Christ. And he, he was perfect. That doesn't mean in following each other as fellow Christians that we follow each other's failings, each other's faults, each other's problems and bad behavior. In fact, even Paul himself recognized that. He wrote in yet another letter to the Romans. He said, the good that I want to do, I don't do. The evil that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. Not all the time, but he too was weak. He was imperfect. But here's the key. It doesn't mean that we imitate those things. That's not what Paul was telling them, nor telling us. This means that instead we recognize, we repent, and we receive We recognize when we fail. We admit it. We repent. We turn from those things that are our failings. And we receive God's forgiving love again and again. And here's the wonderful part about that. It proclaims that God is good, not us. What people can imitate is what we do once we fail. Once we fail, we go. And one of the best examples of that is when we as parents or adults can look to a child and admit when we've done something wrong, to recognize it, to repent, to say we're sorry, and to receive from them their forgiveness. It's not just one way from those who are older to those who are younger, for those who are more mature in the faith to those less, whenever and whoever, to receive forgiveness And for us who are older and more mature in the faith, what a powerful, wonderful example that can be. Imitate Paul and to imitate others insofar as we imitate Christ. 
and he's the gold standard. Christ is the one who is perfect. Follow my example, Paul wrote, as I follow the example of Christ. You need to hear it again. Today's gospel reading you heard, it was about Jesus. It was about his disciples. It was about the night that he was betrayed as he gathered with his disciples and they came into the room for the Last Supper. Jesus took on a servant's role. He washed his disciples' feet. He said, I'm the Lord, but I'm also your servant. That's the kind of Savior we have, a servant Savior, a servant King. And that's the one whom we can model our lives after, the one whom we can imitate. We can't argue with Jesus, what he said and what he did. We can only try our best to imitate. And it's not just pulling up from within us the power to try to do that. When Jesus left, he left us his Holy Spirit. When he was here, we saw, we heard him. People did. When he left, he gave us the power of the Holy Spirit to hear about what his followers wrote and give us the power to take it inward and, as the New Testament says, be transformed, transformed by Jesus. Imitation is only as good as this. It's as good as the one being imitated and the power of the imitator. The one whom we imitate is perfect. And the power that we have through the Holy Spirit is in abundance. The question now for us is not who are we going to imitate? The question is who are you going to imitate? And the answer is clear. Jesus for sure, and those in whom he lives and who model him, which includes great heroes of the biblical faith, of the biblical times. Read the letter to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. It's all about great giants of the faith and how they lived and how we can imitate them. Look at church history, and we do, and we learn about those who followed Jesus, and we're inspired we can even look to present-day Christians who have been faithful, who are faithful, even close by within our congregation and those within, our, uh, jurist- within the area in which we live and know. And you, too, can be such imitators who give a powerful witness, who give a powerful example for others to see and imitate. Imagine that. You're chosen as Pastor Sean says, and you can be imitated. People, Christians, will imitate you and even others. What a privilege that is to be in such company and to be ones who are imitated. Are you willing? We're able by God's power. Are we willing? There's a lot of people who need good examples. There's a lot of people who don't know Christ, who need to see him, and they can in us as he lives in us and through us, constantly, continually reforming our lives, renewing them. And there are a lot of Christians who don't perhaps give such a good example. We have to admit it. We need 
as best we can, as often as we can, to give good examples, positive, faithful ones, especially now, especially now when there's so many forces, so many pressures around us, that is our calling. Somebody once said that imitation is limitation. Imitation is limitation. Well, I suppose from some points of view that limits how far we can go and what we can reflect. But if we imitate Jesus Christ and those who follow him, that is freeing. That is liberating. And that is powerful stuff. So we can say, and would you say with me the words that Paul concluded this letter with from chapter 5? As you see them, read them with me. It's a prayer for us. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. He will. We can be assured. And because of that, we can speak of the faith we hold, the faith we live. We can use ancient words based on the creed that many have spoken universally. The faith of our baptism, the Apostles' Creed. Let's rise and say it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins.